Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Week two of season two. I guess episode 56, for those keeping track at home, of the Aggressive Progressive podcast. You know, you don't get a medal at mile 25 of the marathon. You got to finish the race. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right, I got a great show for you. Neera Tandon, president for the Center for American Progress, will be joining me in a little bit. I've been trying to get her on the show for a while. She's great. I I got to tell you, if you follow me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn, she is the person I am most likely to retweet. Um, I've always enjoyed her commentary. She is one of my favorite, favorite people, so stick around for that interview. But I, I got to start tonight. I, I watched the president on Sunday night with my good friend Martha McCallum. Those of you who follow me know that I do Martha's show almost every Monday, uh, unless the president has a press conference that cuts me off. And I've I've known her for years. I knew used to do her daytime show. Um, you know, the guy wants to be judged based on where we were in February before this started. Not where we're going to be in October or November. And I've been making the point, you don't get a mat, a medal at mile 25 in a marathon. I said that in the opener. You, you just don't. I'm sorry. And this isn't even my, you know, February wasn't even mile 25. It's more like mile 20. That's how lazy this guy is. If he ran a marathon, he'd be like, why do I have to do a whole 26 miles? Why can't I just stop at mile 20? I, I you know. 
great. Things were going okay. I mean, they wanted to pretend things were going great. They wanted to pretend that they had better growth than Obama. They didn't. They wanted to pretend they created more jobs than Obama. They didn't. Stock market did well, but it didn't grow as much as it did under Obama, believe it or not. It just was a higher number. Stock market was at like 6,000 when Obama took over, and it ended at close to 20,000, just under 20,000 when he left office. It's at 23,000 today. Good job, Mr. President. It was at 29,000 uh, before the crisis. No, he wants to be judged by where we were then, and quite frankly, I wouldn't judge him too favorably there either, even on the economy, which they spin so well. Yeah, we had full employment in this country. A lot of people working three, four, five jobs in the gig economy. But I, I for one, think that the American people are smarter than that, and it's starting to show up in numbers you're seeing around the country. Uh, he still hasn't crashed in a way that I believe he needs to crash, but he's going down every time I look at it. It's amazing. You know, he's down in Florida. He's down in North Carolina. He's down in Pennsylvania. He's down in Wisconsin. He's down in Michigan. But the number I'm most excited about is Texas. 43-43 in Texas. Now, I, you know, Texas has, you know, peaked up before and then pulled the rug out from under us. But I just feel like this is the year that Texas goes blue. I debated Carl Rove last night about this. He doesn't think that's going to happen. I think that the president doesn't help himself in Texas. I mean, George W. Bush, who, look, I didn't like everything he did as president. Of course not. I didn't like the war. I didn't like the tax cuts. I didn't like a lot of the things that this man did as president. But I never thought he was out to destroy America. I just never did. And he put out a statement. He's a former president. Hasn't been in office now for almost 12 years. And he put out a statement about how we, you know, will rise together as a country. Very uplifting. What you would expect a former president to say. Donald Trump tweets out, where were you during impeachment? This is the kind of guy, look, this is, this is why he's going to lose America. He's nothing but a grievance candidate in a year where we need action. And the American people are going to judge him so, so harshly when this is over. I, I, I mean, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how everything's got to be about him and how he's been mistreated. He goes to the Lincoln Memorial and says he was treated worse than Lincoln. Lincoln was shot in the head, Mr. President. You've had a few people say some things that are true about you usually using your own words, <laughs> you know, all the biggest fights I've had in my political career, all of them in my, not my political career, but in my punditry career have resulted from me throwing people's own statements back at them, whether it's Michael Knowles or Rudy Giuliani or Matt Gates or Candace Owens or Charlie Kirk, any of these people I've had these celebrated blowups with. I've only just repeated what they have said. Sometimes what they had just said, in the case of Rudy Giuliani, he had just said it. Michael Knowles had just said it. This guy feels that when people repeat what he says, he's being treated worse than Lincoln was. I mean, half of the country left just because he got elected president. There was a civil war that resulted from it. The press wrote horrible things about uh, about Abraham Lincoln, 
uh, during his presidency. This guy has no sense of history and no perspective on anything. We're in a pandemic. The president should be about us. He should be asking how we're doing. How can I help you? He should be a servant. He's none of those things. He's not even close to those things. He has no ability to even begin to act like that. So, you know, if that's what we need at this point in time in our in our uh, history, I don't see how America continues this absurd experiment we've had with this maniac. I mean, I am concerned that, and this is something I should have asked Nira because she probably would have a better answer than me. Um. I am concerned that we risk our standing as the reserve currency for the world. I mean, the rest of the world, when they trade on international currency markets, dollar is the standard. It is the reserve currency of the world. Why would the rest of the world trust this nation in that regard if Donald Trump is still the president in January? I I would think twice about it if I was Europe. Or if I was Asia, or if I was Australia, or so, I would think twice about it, no matter who I was. I I just think that he's a dangerous human being, who is dangerous and destructive to this country, and I don't even understand how he's still at forty two percent. Now I get look, he's losing in Florida, he's losing in Michigan, he's losing in Pennsylvania, he's losing in North Carolina, he's losing in Arizona, he's tied in Texas, and. Tied in states you wouldn't even be thinking of. And I think that's a great sign, but we've been here before, right? Hillary Clinton was winning at this point in the election four years ago. I think it's different now because I think a lot of the people who said, yeah, let me just give him a chance, have given him a chance and it didn't work out so well. So, you know, for all those people tweeting at me about how the polls were wrong four years ago, first of all, the polls weren't wrong four years ago. The analysis of the polls were wrong four years ago. The polls were absolutely dead on. In fact, she won the popular vote by the exact margin that the Nate Silver projection had her winning the popular vote. But we don't get elected president in this country by popular vote, now do we? So I would just say I'm cautiously optimistic that this guy is done I think he's just a whiny little cur, and I think the American people are starting to see it, and every time he talks during this pandemic, I feel he loses votes. I don't know how many, but I feel he loses some. I still talk to a lot of people on the right, some people who I consider intelligent, who are not professional pundits who are dug in because that's their job, but regular people who I find intelligent that are still with this guy. They're, you know, they they try to throw Republican talking points out about Joe Biden at me, even though these are the same people who a year ago said to me, well, if only the Democrats would nominate Joe Biden, which they're never going to do, they're going to pick like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or, you know, whatever. Somebody they felt was unpalatable, even though I think they'd be, you know, 100 times better than uh, Donald Trump. The same people are now saying, well, Joe Biden's you know, he's got dementia. He doesn't have dementia. And by the way, even if he had dementia, I'd take Joe Biden with dementia over Donald Trump, who, by the way, also probably has, you know, he, I mean, you know, I'm going to, I think we need to start putting together clips of all of Donald Trump's dementia moments. And we should just put those out every time conservatives, um, you know, say that Joe Biden is demented. We should do that. I think we need to do that as a, as a, as a group. 
Uh, if anybody out there wants to do it for me, because I got way too much going on right now. I know we're in a pandemic. We're all locked down our home. I'm working around the clock and uh, between radio and television and other stuff I do. It's just been, it's been a, a hectic time for me, uh, even more so than usual. Plus I have a puppy who's gotten used to walking six miles a day. So, uh, which is great and I've enjoyed it. Um, and it's fantastic. Uh, one of the things that has really kept me sane during this whole crisis is, is having a dog. I think uh, if you don't have a dog and, and you could get your hands on one now and you, and you can make a good home for that dog, I highly encourage you to do that. Did I tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by Warby Parker? Uh, friends of the pod can get uh, a free in-home five-day, five-pair trial, no risk, by going to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. That's H-A-H-M. Uh, you know, look, we're all shut in our homes. You don't want to, even if you're in a, in Georgia and uh, you're allowed to go eyeglass shopping, why would you? Just call Warby Parker. Go to warbyparker.com slash Han, warbyparkertrial.com slash Han, and check out their wide selection of frames. Put in your prescription. They will send you up to five pairs for you to try risk-free at home. And if you like them, you, you just keep the ones you want. You send the other ones back. It's $95 a pair. With prescription lenses, America, that is a really good deal. Go to warbyparkertrial.com, and for every pair you buy, they will give a pair to someone in need. America, there are a lot of people in need right now. A lot of those people need glasses. Please go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han if you need glasses right now. All right, so I got a great guest, and I don't want to waste time to get to her because, quite frankly, it took me a while to get her. She's fantastic. If if you don't know who Neera Tandon is, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, quite frankly. I, I would find it hard to believe that anybody listening to the Aggressive Progressive podcast is unaware of Neera Tandon, and probably, like me, you love her. She was right in 2016. She warned us about Donald Trump. We didn't listen. She's she's. I find her brilliant. I find her her points dead on. I hope Joe Biden gets elected president and he makes her chief of staff or secretary or something because she's fantastic, assuming she wants to do that, quite, quite, frank, quite frankly. She's got a great life right now, great gig. I think we all love seeing her on MSNBC and on Real Time with Bill Maher and reading what she writes. I think the Center for American Progress is an excellent resource for all progressives out there looking to have clear reasoning behind the arguments we make. And quite frankly, I don't think it's enough for us to just argue. And because, you know, here's what we feel and we're on this team. I think we need people like Nira and her organization that are providing us with real facts, real research behind our positions. And, uh, you know, it was an honor for me to speak for her, speak, speak to her, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Stay right there. I'll be right back with my interview with Neera Tandon. Neera Tandon, who I've admired her entire career from her days in the Clinton White House to her days as Hillary Clinton's uh, legislative director, worked in the Obama administration, and of course, she is now the president of the Center for American Progress. Neera, how are you holding up through this crisis? You know, I'm pretty good, I have to say. Very busy, but pretty good. I'm very, I feel lucky and safe, so... Uh, how are you holding up? I, I feel extremely lucky. Turns out I'm antisocial and I really like walking my dog. So uh, I've been okay <laughs> throughout this whole thing. My dog, I think, is about to, you know, she's like between myself, my wife, my kids, everybody's walking her. She's getting walked like more than she's ever 
uh, been walked. <laughs> but of course, you know, here in New York, we've got a lot of friends who, who've lost people, family members. I am fortunate that none of my family has died through this. So I'm pretty happy. My dad had it. Uh, he recovered from oh, it. Thank man. God. Uh, thank God. But uh, and a few of my friends have had it and they have recovered. But I think we're all doing you know, we're all doing our best here. I mean, we're trying to do our best to keep our fellow citizens safe. The person who I think is not trying to do his best is the president of the United States. And you and I both worked for high powered elected officials in our career. Have you ever yeah. seen one of your former bosses go to a pre- press briefing with a scientist and not know what that scientist was going to say and start asking stupid <laughs> questions during it? I mean, I've never experienced anything like we experience on a minute by minute, day by day basis with Donald Trump. So, I I mean, I would go really much farther, which is I have the great privilege of working with Hillary Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. And I could just say with each one of those people, uh, if they got a presidential briefing about a pandemic or if they read the newspaper. Right. (laughs) <laughs> on a pandemic watch tv or, you know watch tv about a pandemic they and about a pandemic really anywhere in the world each one of those people would know that the time to prepare the country was that minute right. and you know the real tragedy of this is that the president um i, I sometimes just have a hard time saying that but yeah <laughs> me too i throw up trump. a little sometimes when i say it. it's bad <laughs> i know donald trump has uh he makes mistakes constantly but his most grievous error was just wasting so much time and the challenge of the pandemic is that you you can never really catch up to it it moves so quickly i mean the the issue with this virus which is unique and a kind of a unique uh, danger is that it transmits so quickly into so many people when you're asymptomatic, which is, uh, which is a, you know, just a profoundly difficult problem to solve for and right. takes leadership doing everything right. Now we do see that in other countries. South Korea has hundreds of deaths while yep. we have 60,000 deaths. And we deaths, have the same so. first day of a first case, known case anyway, we should say at this point. Yes. And, you know, they, they put in, um, they operationalized a plan immediately to contain the virus. And instead, our president, and I, I'm personally convinced that it's because he didn't want to spook the markets and hurt his yeah. reelection. Yeah. But he he ignored the virus. And, you know, the virus will never be ignored. That is the, that is a lesson of history, which is the virus will, you know, it's it's greater than has a power greater than any border, right. any, any, any wishful thinking. And so it takes, you know, it takes a lot of coordination and intelligence to deal with it. And we of course have neither of those in the president of the United and, States. And he doesn't seem to, to want to listen to reason half the time. I, you wrote an excellent article, you and the center, I guess a lot of people, at the center uh, were part of this article about how we would, the steps we would have to take mm-hmm. to reopen. And now you're seeing what's going on in some of these States around the country uh, which, you know, when you juxtapose that to what you wrote, which was very rational and reasonable and somewhat even al- in alignment with some of the CDC guidelines, what mm-hmm. do you make of what you're seeing across the country and, and these decisions being made? Well, we wrote a report on how to reopen. And at the heart of our report about how to reopen is really how to fight the virus, because our view is the best way to reopen safely, uh, and really the only way to reopen safely is to get to a place where you can contain the virus. So I'll just say briefly what that plan is. That plan is uh, large-scale testing and testing 
of uh, everyone who is sick, but also testing people who aren't sick, testing in parts of the state or community where you don't see sickness. So you know the sickness is not there because, again, people can be asymptomatic for quite a while. Um, Contact tracing, both digital and human contact tracing, traditional tracing, which is just going to people who have tested positive and finding out who they've spoken to, who they've dealt with recently, so you can inform them that they might be sick. And then, you know, really critically is uh, ensuring that you're isolating sick people. Now, states are in different paths. New York, New Jersey, I'm serving on the New Jersey recovery plan. I noticed that. Good for you. Um, and, uh, but New York, New Jersey have, uh, are thinking through exactly how you implement a plan like tracing, isolating and testing and testing at the levels you need to, to basically identify health, you know, who has been sick and where the virus virus really is. They're doing the right thing because they know that you can't open the economy unless people's public health is protected. And right. then on the other side of this, you have the extremes, uh, which are essentially ordered reopenings that put people's health in jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, what's happening in these states like Iowa is are mandating a reopening. And then if a company, what they're also saying is if you don't come back to work, you could be fired. You right. know, you're not unemployed. You're fired if you just choose not to come back to work for health reasons. Now, the problem of that is that they're not guaranteeing testing to people. So you could go back to work sick. You know, you're basically saying to people that uh, you have to choose between not just your own health, but protecting other people's health. And I just, I, I can't imagine a worse position. I hope that people will be lucky. I hope that we're in a, you know, the virus isn't spreading or that it's contained just on its own because of social distancing. But I'm, you know, deeply, deeply worried that basically these states are consigning their citizens to sickness and in some cases death. It's just, it's so tragic and so stupid. (laughs) Just, I, I, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, to me, this so represents basically the, the Hoovervilles during right. the Great Depression. Right. You know, it's like the idea that your public policy response to a Great Recession was going to, uh, the Great Depression was going to be like stopping spending. So yeah. you focus on deficits. I mean, that's terrible. But the idea that during a pandemic, you're, you're not going to guarantee people's safety or give them the ba- most basic modicums. Think about this. Employers could require people to work. And not even give them masks. There's right. no requirement. No requirement. And, Those meatpacking plants he ordered opening because I guess he's worried he's not going to be able to get a cheeseburger. Um, no safety restrictions for those poor workers. They're going to be working tight quarters. It's nonsense. And also, I mean, insanely, I mean, what's incredibly insane, the Republicans want to ensure that they are, you know, basically protected from liability. What does that mean? They can't be sued. Okay, right. so you're a company and you can't be sued. You don't even, you know, you have meat packers working closely together and you don't give them masks and you can't be sued. So I get sick because I'm eating the meat that you, you 
like pa- some sick person package. It's insane. And you're and you're protected from liability. Now, by, I, by the know, way, by the, by the way, there's a 15 percent drop off in meat production in the United States, but we export about 30 percent of the meat we produce. I don't understand this whole supply chain fear thing that's been put out there. It makes no sense to me at all. And and just to state this out loud, if you have an outbreak that actually affects consumers, people will stop eating the meat if they find out right. that you could get sick eating the meat. I mean, the one of the reasons why we have regulations is so that you can actually have markets work effectively. Right. I mean, when I heard this when I heard this executive order, I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna buy meat for my family at this point because I'm very concerned that it's going to it's be insane. Un- it's All right. gonna be <laughs> hold that thought. I gotta take a quick break, pay a few bills, and I'll be right back with the president of the Center of American Progress near Tandon. We were talking about the food supply and the safety issue. I you know, I, I think you agree with me. I don't think the American people are gonna be willing to step over dead bodies to go to the mall anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the president exactly. Thinking. You know, I don't know. What I, he's- I, I really I agree. Like, I think the real problem is consumers, the public are going to have great anxieties about, you know, you still have 70, 80 percent of Americans who want to have stay at home orders. Right. So, I mean, and the real the the thing that's just so enraging about this, I'm sorry, is when, you know, we the, the virus doesn't respect state borders. So when Georgia decides to mishandle the situation, right, they have increasing numbers of positive cases still. Right. The virus is everywhere still. They re, quote unquote, reopen and they have another outbreak. It's just going to take us longer right. and longer to deal with this And virus. I think they're going to mess around with the testing. And the only way you're going to know about the outbreak is that the hospitals are going to be overrun. And and that's the right. scary or you, part. Or now we're finding out that we have deaths at extraordinarily high numbers. Yeah. Multiple places and people died from the virus and it, they never even got tested. So right. you, no one even knew. It's a disaster. I mean, it's really a just it's amazing that, you know, this is a guy who actually ran on making great America great again. Yeah. When, it's like destroyed. we will have the worst response in the world. To I the think virus. that barring a miracle, he's done now. I, I know I'm not saying that we should just, you know, sit back and relax because he'll try to steal it. But I think mm-hmm. barring a miracle, he's done. He's going to lose states we're not even thinking about right now because people are going to emerge from their homes and they're going to see the carnage that is here and realize that this man has no plan or ability or skills. Now, I know you're more pessimistic than I am. I've, I've watched your commentary and you were one of the only people who were right in 2016. Um, but, you know, what's your thought about how we get out of this politically with him? So, you know, I I fundamentally believe elections are actually about an argument and a case you can make. And and I I do think that the Trump argument, the Trump case is is basically getting destroyed. His his best argument before the election, I mean, before the virus, I'm sorry, was that, you know, I might be chaotic and kind of uh, uh you know, difficult and divisive, but the economy is great. And think of how much better, you know, your life is way better than it was four years ago. So I think that central argument has obviously been destroyed. And, And let's just be honest. I mean, people are actually paying a lot of attention to the news and they're not impervious to events. And the truth is he 
his uh, president's basic job is to keep the country safe and secure. Yep. And at the end of this pandemic, people will be able to look around the world and the United States will have at least one of the worst responses to the virus, yeah. if not literally the worst. I mean, we're in the middle of a death spike and New Zealand crushed the virus. South Korea basically was able to crush the virus. Right. They have, they've had, they they have, had no new cases today. Yeah, they have 200. <laughs> their debts are in the hundreds. Ours right. in the, are in the tens of thousands. Right, right. And, you know, they live pretty close together. In fact, they're they're much closer together as a country than the United States And much is. closer and, to China and, and all the <laughs> traffic that's going in and out of China where it started. I know. And, you know, what's just, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I know Italy happened first, but we may well be may well have the highest per capita death rate. Yeah, and it's just it's just I just think at the you know it's really hard to argue. He will try to destroy Joe, Joe Biden. I don't think it's going to matter. That is a tactic. But I, I, I think. I mean, I, I fundamentally think it's just like what is he running on? Right. Peace and prosperity, or like everything's the better. The economy I mean, before January thirtieth. I mean, give me a break. I mean, he's I. I I have said this before. People disagree with me. I don't think that he can do that. I think the American people, I think elections are about how people feel. Do they feel optimistic mm-hmm. about the direction of the country or not? And it's going to be hard to spin it this time. You are, you know, two, four years ago, he said, ah, oh, the economy's in shambles when it was actually doing really well. And he spun it. And people said, yeah, you know what? I could be doing better. It's going to be really hard for him to say things are good. It's going to be really hard for him to blame anybody else. The buck stops with the president of the United States. He could try to destroy Joe Biden all he wants. I know they're out there trying to do that right now. I think Joe Biden is not as relevant to this election as people would like him to be. He, I think, the, yeah, I, you know, I, I actually agree. I mean, I think this is, I think the truth is this should be about the incumbent. Yeah. I mean, the incumbent will make it want, want to make it a choice, just like Obama made it a choice. But, you know, that's, that's a choice we can all make, yeah. which is fundamentally we can make this about Trump. Now, you know, I do. I feel the need to caveat at all times that the that the Republicans have asymmetric assets, yep. right? I mean, money. <laughs> they they have a lot of money. They also, I mean, the rules affect them. States. Gerrymandering, but really also Facebook and the way it's allowing politicians to lie and yeah. use lie in ads. I mean, these are dangerous asymmetric weapons. Disinformation is a dangerous asymmetric weapon. The intervention of other countries is a dangerous asymmetric weapon. So, I mean, my basic take is that the playing field can is tilted against you, yep. against Democrats and progressives, and we have to recognize that i do and, and address it um so you know you have to be prepared for fighting for every place but I, in a rational world yeah, yeah and I, a, I think a, i think the, go the, ahead. the problem is you know protecting the vote right making sure people can right. vote that's the biggest issue right here i, I think it's going to be a wave year one way or the other if he somehow has a miracle and the country's doing great in november then he'll probably get reelected easily but if things are where we are right now or worse he's mm-hmm. done and it's going to be a tidal wave wiping them all away, assuming people are allowed to vote. Yeah. So I think this is a really important issue, which is I think you're already seeing some in some ways Republican senators separating themselves yeah. from Trump. 
So, I mean, but the entire apparatus of the right and the Republican Party are going to be very focused on oh, yeah. doing what they've done over the last 10 years, which is to change the rules around voting so that they maintain power. Yep. And so that's why I think it is so central that we ensure that there's sufficient funds for states and that states have mail-in ballots as yep. an alternative. Because if you think, I mean, just think about what happened in Wisconsin. They had no problem threatening people's public I, health in order to didn't work you know, out for them though, the way they wanted no, it. <laughs> absolutely. And I actually do think that it did create a backlash. Yeah. So that might mitigate a little bit of their attempts, but that just means they won't be out in the open about well, not it. Only They'll that, try to remember be... the people most likely to be afraid of this virus are the people also most likely to vote Republican. So yeah, you want, older voters, you want to get, but those... at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, they were like consistently sending out a message that only old people get the virus. So like maybe we should open the economy because those yeah, people are going to die. It's anywhere. amazing. I mean, it's amazing to me how, uh, you know, like what they're willing to say out loud. Well, honestly, look, it's amazing to me how quickly this went by. I've been waiting to get you on my show for a year. <laughs> I'll come on again. I'll come I on hope again. you this will. So uh, Nira Tandon, president of the Center for American Progress. Follow her on Twitter. I do. You're the person I most retweet, and you're not following me, so you got to follow me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to follow you right at now. At Christopher Hahn. Nira Tandon, thanks for joining me. I'll be right back. All right. I hope you like Nira. Check her out on Twitter at Nira Tandon. She's fantastic. Uh, and she did follow me on Twitter. Follow me back. I've been following her for years. I think she's great. Uh, one of, literally one of my favorite pundits. So it was uh, a treat for me to talk to her, and I really do appreciate it. And check out uh, the Center for American Progress uh, too. Like I said, I think it's important that we go to war with facts, right? I mean, I know that the other side doesn't believe in facts and that facts don't matter to them, but it's always good to have them. Uh, they can't argue with them. Tell them to go look it up. <laughs> you know, they, they're just not good at it. They don't. It's so it's so sad that we have one side of the argument that is basing their arguments on nothing but gut. I mean, gut and xenophobia and racism sometimes, but mostly gut. Well, the other things there too. But we have to be better, right? We have to be better. But I don't think we have to be perfect. There's this whole belief out there that, you know, the Republicans are going to poke holes in Biden. And if Biden isn't perfect, we can't win. Look, Biden's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Why do we think that we need a perfect candidate to go up against this total train wreck of a president? I hear this. I mean, I it's the self-defeatism among progressives and liberals and democratic activists across this country. We're already planning, you know, our pity party for after the November election because, oh my God, you know, Joe Biden stumbled over a word or, you know, the whole Tara Reid incident that is out there. You know, I, I look, is this going to become an election over whose sexual assault uh, charges are worse? I don't think so. And, you know, I want Tara Reid to be fully vetted. But I've said this before. I'll say it again. Joe Biden has been vetted for the last 30 years since this incident has happened or she claims has happened. Okay. 30 years. It's never come up. He ran for vice president. And you know, you get vetted a little bit more for vice president than you do for president because it's a self-vetting for president. When you're running for vice president, somebody says, well, you know, we really can't have this guy run for president because 
you know, he sexually assaulted somebody in the Senate hallway back in 1993. That would have probably come up, I think, pretty sure. And now the Republicans are saying, oh, Joe Biden should open his archives. Why? So we can have another drip, drip, drip like the Clinton emails? No way. Not a chance. But I will make this deal. I'll make you this deal. I'll open up Joe Biden's archives and all the dirt that's in there, baby. All his decision and process that'll probably bore you to death. But here's what I want in return. I want the access, uh, not the access, I want the apprentice outtakes. I want his tax returns. And I want every woman who has an NDA against Donald Trump to be released from their NDA. You give me that, New York Times editorial board, which is the leader of this pity party right now. You give me that, and I will demand as forcefully as I can on all the media outlets that I work in, this show, my other radio show, my new radio show that I'm getting in a really big market that I can't announce yet, but you've probably been listening to me on WABC every weekend. Uh, but it's, you know, Fox, if MSNBC books me, you know, look, I will, I will brag about it. I will, I will sing it from the rooftop, but I want those things first. I mean, this guy's been president. And don't tell me it's the same as, oh, Democrats have a double standard, Kavanaugh. No, what the Democrats wanted was a pause for Kavanaugh so that we can investigate Christine Blasey Ford, Dr. Blasey Ford's allegations against Kavanaugh. But we didn't get that. We got Mitch McConnell saying, we've got to vote on this right now or the entire republic's going to fail. That's what we got. I'm sorry, we have uh, till August, it's April, we have till August to investigate this allegation before he's even nominated officially by the Democratic Party to be our presidential candidate. So that's a lot of time. And then the American people get to vote in November. And Kaylee McEnany says, well, you know, the American people gave Donald Trump a, a victory. That's why That validates all the claims against him. Kaylee McEnany, who, you know, tweets out scriptures. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that every good Christian in America thinks that Donald Trump's a good Christian and I wish we would get to see what's on those tapes. I think it's going to be bad. I think it's really bad. I think there's some end bombs. I think he probably says some choice things about other people. Get ready. I can't believe they're not out yet. But you know, release that stuff. You want full disclosure New York Times? How come you haven't been writing an editorial every week about that? How come you haven't written an editorial every week about his tax returns? I want to know who he's borrowing money from. Why was he so soft on China at the beginning of this? I mean, now he's looking for somebody to blame, so he's getting, you know, you know, saying that China leaked this out of a let this virus come out of a a lab. But at the beginning, oh, He's doing a great job. He's very transparent. Very, very complimentary of the Chinese regime, which has given his daughter millions of dollars in trademarks. Think about that. While he was in the White House. You know, they want to talk about... So let's not be looking for perfection because what we have in the White House right now is nothing short of a disaster. And it's time for us to understand that he's a disaster, and we start, need to start reminding the American people of all of his disastrous choices, like deciding to take the month of February off and play a couple of rounds of golf and do about five Trump rallies when he should have been getting testing and PPE ready so that maybe we would come out of this around now instead of waiting till July. South Korea is coming out of it. 
they're starting to open up. I mean, we're starting to open up too, but we're opening up in a half-assed way because we have a half-assed president doing everything half-assed. And God knows where we're going to be, you know, six weeks from now in the states that are opening up prematurely. I'm really concerned about Georgia. I mean, the city of Atlanta is not a small city. I get it. They didn't have a lot of cases. But their cases were still going up when he decided to open everything up. So, you know, we could have some serious problems here. And the president thinks, oh, let me rush to get the economy open up. Then he tells the governor, no, don't do it. I mean, he's, he's just schizophrenic, right? One day they give us these guidelines. They make sense. State phases one, two, and three. You got to meet a certain criteria. Iowa hasn't met those criteria. They're opening up. Atlanta, Georgia hasn't met those uh, criteria. They're opening up. Florida hasn't met that criteria. They're not, they're opening up. Now, granted, in Iowa and Florida, they've shut off the counties that uh, are most impacted by coronavirus. Same thing in Iowa. But they didn't do that in Georgia. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting, it's going to be interesting to look at it. We're going to know. It's going to be hard to hide it. I know they're not testing. I know like they'd rather not know, right? I know that the governor of Georgia would rather not know. I know that Ron DeSantis probably would rather not know either. But we're going to know because the hospitals are going to get overrun. And what happens then? Do they close down again? What happens to our economy then? What happens to Donald Trump's approval rating in Georgia then? Does he lose Georgia because of this? If Georgia is now, you know, getting its second wave in June and July, do the people of Georgia finally wake up and say, you know what? We love God. We can love God and vote for a Democrat at the same time. Or are they going to continue to vote for Republicans even though Republicans have now not only you know, messed up the economy, but really jeopardized their health. I mean, granted, look, Republicans have never done anything for most people who vote for them for the economy. But they've messed it up. They messed it up in 2008, which is why Obama got elected, and he messed it up again. And the Democrats are going to get, what, a year and a half to fix it before Republicans start chanting deficit? Probably not even a year and a half, a week and a half. Meanwhile, this guy has quadrupled the deficit in the last three months. America, wake up. Call your conservative friends and tell them to wake up. All right. I want to remind you now, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. 
Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.